0: And there we go, episode 100. This is this is a bit mad. Salem, remember when we started this all the way back in, what, 2020, October?
1: Do you know well, how mad that, this is? Crazy. I, I, ironically, my first episode was in the car as well, so it's quite exactly.
0: I'll be it's, in a
1: car, but still in
0: a Different car, different locations as well, which is crazy. I think you're still in the north as well, but... We made it to 100 episodes, which is absolutely insane. So got to take that in, in a way. Two years down the line, we're still doing this. We're still getting, um, well, we're still growing. We're still getting recognition, which is really nice. And I really appreciate it. So thank you for joining the podcast today, Salem. And thank you everyone for listening to us over the last 100 episodes. We really appreciate it. And we've got a lot in store for everyone today. We're going to be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. We're going to be talking about the World Cup the controversy behind it all. We're going to be talking about the best attacking lineups in the World Cup and obviously we're going to be talking about England versus USA. Um, that's happening Friday night. So everyone, thank you very much for joining our podcast for today. Let's get straight into it. Salem, how are you? How have you been recently?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Um, like, you know, just just the usual, to be honest. My my, my injury is sort of um, a lot better now. Mm. As you can remember, like you know, I've been in a sling and stuff, so I've actually played a couple of games of football I I am not like I wouldn't say I'm like 100% there yet I'm still building up my match fitness it's a bit weird like not playing after a long time like and everyone else has been playing you lose like a lot of sharpness yeah. you know six out. Uh, I've been going gym too um I've been having like minimal pain um, I'm mainly getting pain when I'm training sort of chest but that was expected you know at least till the end of this year but yeah generally it's it's really good to be back playing football back going to the gym um i obviously need to put a bit more fitness work in to get my levels back up but no i'm, I'm happy i'm happy I've, I've you know changed my diet and yeah it's not been that bad you know like it's, it's been nice to have a bit of a rest you know albeit a longer rest than i would have liked because obviously even like when i'm fasting you know like i still play football anyway so mm-hmm. this you know, like it was a forced break but it, it was a break in at the end of the day and I just need to just do my best to try and get my levels back up and, you know, exceed where I was before. That's, that's the main aim, if anything.
0: Definitely. No, it's really good to hear. And unfortunately with me, I've been injured as well. So I think it was the last time I played football and the day or two afterwards, I felt it, my heel, when I'm literally standing, it hurts really, it hurts a lot to put weight on basically. So I'm really upset with how that's kind of happened, my right heel. So when I'm doing my practicals at university, when I'm doing my coaching, et cetera, et cetera, the pain is kind of there. So, once your injury is recovering, I've got a new injury to kind of deal with. It's really annoying, but it's just the consistency of always playing football, which is the case as well. How um, have you found the World Cup so far? Have you been able to watch many of the games? Who's been the standout player for you so far, Salem? Spain, literally yeah. just rushed Costa Rica yeah. 7-0. Insane. I
1: have, I have been watching games. Obviously, I watched the England game. Uh, Jude Bellingham, somebody that I've been talking about for a while. And, you know, it's 19 years of age. And you know, on the biggest stage there is, is you know, proving that he's a world-class talent. I've been watching bits of other games like we were in the office yesterday and a couple of us were watching the end of that Argentina game. Um, I've been following pretty much every game. Uh, I've been trying to watch bits wherever I can and obviously catching up with highlights wherever I can. But yeah, you know, it's, it's been it's been a really good World Cup so far. There's been some shocks. You know, we're only a couple of days in, but, you know, we've got four games a day and <laughs> it's something that I love, you know, from literally the second you wake up, 10 o'clock the first game, nine, nine, nine o'clock you've got your lineups ready and, you know, you, you, it's it's all pretty much good to go. So yeah, I am enjoying it. I'll I'll, I'll be, you know, I wasn't happy with there being a winter world cup, you know, it's here now and we just have to embrace it. Definitely.
0: Um, Good way of putting it as well. Literally just embracing the world cup, being in winter, a lot of people complain about certain situations. I couldn't care less about what people are complaining about. Honestly, there are things that have happened in previous world cup tournaments where they've been hosted that no one shines a light on, but being in Qatar, I feel like lots of people love to just hate on it for it being a Muslim country and we, we see how it is really because you could have gone all in on Russia, no one did, could have gone all in on Brazil and South Africa for everything that happened in their countries respectively as well. There's more migrant workers that died in Brazil than they did actually in Qatar, but people don't actually want to speak up about that. And obviously no one really spoke about the apartheid in South Africa when we we're talking about um, diversity and, and cultural differences as well. But again, people want to choose their agendas and let them do that. For me personally as well, I don't even watch like the intros and the outros of the build-up to games anymore. I'll just switch TV off, put the game on when the game's on and then just switch off at half-time, go and do something else and then when full-time happens, I'll just switch off again. Because it's really annoying seeing a lot of these pundits, a lot of these so-called ex-players who believe that they can take the moral high ground on a country where they're invited to actually work in and actually taking the money from, um, actually reporting on this as well and it's taxpayer's money for some people in the BBC as well. So it's embarrassing to really see It's quite worrying to see how they're doing it. And it's really upsetting how every single game, there's always something that they have to mention Um, instead of just mentioning the football. You want to enjoy the football. So that's why I'm like, just don't watch the build-ups and don't carry on with it as well. But like you said, I watched England as well. Did a little watch-along for the England game. I quite enjoyed it. England were playing fantastic football as well. It was a really good starting lineup that we had. And there's that worry of Harry Kane being injured as well for the USA game. Obviously, we've got to talk about the USA game Friday night, literally because going to be prime time entertainment watching uh watching the USA versus England. What's your first thoughts on the England game, Salem? And how well England did um against
1: Iran? I mean first thing I wanted to just uh go back to like you were saying players that stood out for me. Um mm. I don't want to switch in back and forth, but you know the World Cup's always the time where like certain players like, you know, you forget about them. They just come out from come out of the blue like Enna Valencia the other day. You know what I mean like somebody that he was at West Ham and you know everyone's pretty much like forgotten about him since And, you know he's come out of the blue another sort of honorable mention couple of mentions i've got from the world cup so far is the um japan fans actually They're, they've been cleaning up you know the stadiums even when it was even their mess and it so was so respectful even yeah that, that was of that really you know stood out to me and and I, f- I thought that was a great gesture uh from the fans i mean that's that's just how they are and that was it's really nice of them that but yeah, back to England. You know, it was a good performance. Um, I feel like the changes should have just been made. You know, once the game was sort of, it looked like it was wrapped up, yeah. like by taking like Kane and them off. Especially it being just the first game. I'm looking forward to the game against the States. You know, I remember the game, with Rob Green. You know, letting the ball slip.
0: 2010 um, Saturday night, crazy. I think that was the second game, second day of the tournament as well, which was insane. And you're looking at it thinking. Could it be another mishap? I don't think Jordan Pinkford will have another mishap. Fingers crossed mm. he doesn't. But I'm looking forward to seeing how this USA side do against us. Uh, George Weir, Timothy Weir, yeah, George Weir's son, Timothy, Timothy Weir, end up scoring a fantastic, nice little finish against Wales as well. Pulisic, as we know, Gio Reyna coming back into the side. Maybe we'll have to see Eunice Musa again, former England youth player playing for the USA.
1: So you uh Eunice uh, Musa.
0: Yeah literally i was someone who watched him since when he was at valencia and i thought he'd be a really good player to watch in the future he chose the usa so it goes to show how well he's done and fair play to Eunice musa but how would you set up this england side if harry kane is injured salem would you go for callum wilson or would you go for marcus rashford as a number nine or even even play a false nine maybe phil foden in the false nine
1: position how would you set up i wouldn't i wouldn't play a false nine um i'd take mason i'd take mason out of the team firstly um not good enough for you. No, I, I just I don't know. I just I just feel like he I, I can't see what like he brings at the moment. Mm. Like you know, I know he's a quality player and stuff, but I just I just don't see what extra he brings to that team or rather like a Foden or even a Grealish play instead. Um and yeah, in terms of you know, for me I'm not too fussed whether it was whether it's Rashford or Wilson. I mean uh, do we have any of the strikers there or is, it, is that is it just them? It's just those two. Those two? See, I don't know. It, it would be nice if we had somebody like a Tammy, obviously, but there's no point <laughs> talking about players that, have, that aren't there. It would have been suitable as well. Good plan B
0: effort as well. But clearly Southgate gone for just like a, a nice finisher, a good a classic number nine in Callum Wilson and a utility striker in Marcus Rashford who can play all across the front three. But will it suit England's game? I'm not really sure because they feed it into Hurricane who likes to drop deep nowadays. The last two tournaments we've seen, we've seen Hurricane drop in deeper into like a false nine position, which has worked so really we, well for him.
1: Right, then maybe the option is to play like Grealish or like someone like that as the false nine and, and then they could try and link play. Or, I I'm not sure, you know, to, even Sterling Sterling can do it too. You know, we've got players that can play. Yeah. Quite, you know, flexibly. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I, I feel like Kane I, um, I think he should he should be okay it was quite precautionary mm. in that sense but, but that's the thing when you've got like one so world class top striker it, it's hard like you know as in like we don't even have that second striker but normally when you do it it just become difficult because then do you accommodate to play too it's like how we've got it at, at Villa not that they're both world class strikers but with having Ings and Watkins you know do you like shoehorn them in do you change your formation because everyone pretty much just plays with like one striker now prep, you know primarily obviously a lot of teams do still play with two but most of the teams play with one but I'm looking forward to the game Um, again like still early days so that there's not much like I wouldn't say there's like that much pressure especially like winning that first game you know that Iran game that could easily have just been the Argentina Saudi Arabia game it could have been our banana skin it literally could have been yeah that's and that's the thing like any game can be like that it's like the Argentina game you look at the XG Argentina you know killed it like if I know there was some error with VAR and stuff in that game too. But, you know, if you lose that Iran game at the start, because I feel like the atmosphere was quite apprehensive before the game. You know, there's a couple of nerves and people weren't too convinced. Are we going to play five at the back? Are we going to play four at the back? A lot of question marks. You know, I'm I'm happy, you know, I can pray Southgate for once that he made the right option playing with four. That's something that I did did want him. Um, Again, I'm not fully convinced with Maguire. I I was happy with Stones, you know, I was happy with... um, I so was happy with Shaw. Shaw was all right as well. You know, it's um, just, in terms of Maguire, my, my, my only worry is if we come up against better opposition, you know. Quicker strikers in, George, in Timothy <laughs> Weah. Uh, Taremi plays for Porto. He scored a really good goal. You know, he just peeled off Maguire. But in my head, I'm thinking, what if that's, what if that's Mbappe? What if that's Giroud? Do you know what I mean? What if that's Ferran Torres? What if that's, you know, literally any anyone else, you know, at yeah. one of the top top countries and, and then you start worrying because I, I, I don't know if, if Maguire's good enough. Like, you know, he's he's okay at a level. You know, he he's a good sort of I'd say mid table Premier League defender at best. But when we're playing against, you know, the the sort of bigger nations with better strikers, you know, if he's poor imagine me, I don't think we're gonna get Portugal. I don't know how, how the groups run, but you mm. like Cristiano versus Maguire, you know, I, I can't see him coping. Yeah.
0: It's going to be crazy to see how Harry Maguire continues in this tournament as well. Because like I previously said, I wanted Ben White to start the first game um, of the tournament as well. But Maguire was taken off with a precautionary injury as well. So he may not even be starting against the USA. So it's going to be all fun and games until we see who starts. But personally for me, if Harry Kane is out, I personally would like to see Marcus Rashford start. I think he's someone who can work between the lines as well. He can work across the front three. And I think a front three of Sterling, Saka and Rashford would scare any opposition in world football with the attack that they've got as well. And The USA, as we saw against Wales, they weren't playing that defensive. They were literally trying to play out proper football, which was nice to see. And I never really expected it from the USA, but that's just because I didn't really know and understand how USA were going into this tournament, especially against Wales, who were playing with a back five. So hopefully we'll get a win against the USA and hopefully we'll be able to get a W and qualify for the next round and get the rest of the players as well. And I personally think, This five-sub rule benefits a lot of the bigger teams as well. The fact that we can bring on the likes of Grealish, Foden, Rashford, for the sake of it, is fantastic and rest some of our top players. I think it's fantastic to really see and really to enjoy um, rotating the squads around as well, which would be great.
1: Hundred percent. I mean, just a quick one for me. Jude Bellingham. You know the way that he linked midfield and attack the other day was was unbelievable. That performance he put in. You know, a lot of people saying like he's quite. Well, his favourite player is Gerrard and. You could see, sort of, you could see, you could see, he's definitely got something there. You can see he's going to be a hundred million pound midfielder. I mean, you know, we could, we could even play him further forward, more as a ten. I'm not sure how often he has played in that role because I see him more as an eight. But I mean, if if we could get like Rice and then have another midfielder in there, we could potentially put him a bit forward, bit more forward, and give him a bit more sort of license up there to Rome, But if not, you know, we've got people like Madison that could also come in. I know there's the injury worries there, but even, you know, even Grealish, he's somebody else that we could, we could bring him, bring in. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see just, just to change something, you know, in terms of Mount, I know maybe I could be wrong. Maybe we play him and, you know, he has a really good game. But I, I just felt he was the one that he could have just done a bit more in that game for me. But, you know, we won the game and I, I don't know, I shouldn't even have to be going on about it really.
0: Yeah, he definitely had more to offer Mason Mount and I don't think he's had the best of starts to the season. So we're going to have to wait and see if he can actually improve his game in a bigger test against the USA against a much stronger midfield as well. Um, But yeah, I'm expecting a good game from England, especially against the USA and hopefully we'll have six points out of two games, which would be great to really understand how England can progress in this next round of the tournament as well. Uh, On to the next part of the podcast. Salim, I need to talk to you, obviously, about... Cristiano Ronaldo and obviously the fact that he's left the fact that he's now a free agent officially it's been released from his contract and he's a free agent at the World Cup obviously we know for a fact you've been bantering us for years us United fans of him coming back on loan after all this time his loan is officially up for the second time around how do you think he's going to work forward in this World Cup because without a club is he going to be trying to look for like an actual club or do you think it's going to be someone like a Newcastle or a Saudi Arabian team that's going to be linked with him? Or do you think he could actually get a Champions League quality type of side?
1: Yeah, I've been actually talking about this myself and I feel like he wants to obviously remain in the Champions League. That's, that, that's something that I feel for now, that he still wants to remain in the Champions League. But it could be one of those where Newcastle or someone come in. I was a bit surprised with the timing in terms of when all this happened. Like he could have easily just come back after the World Cup, you know, whatever happens, win, lose, you know, whatever, just come back and then deal with the club situation then. But, you know, he seemed like he wanted to, you know, force his way out before, like, even the World Cup starts. And, and that's, like, the timing of the interview. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 on the other hand, you could say, like, he, may, he maybe he just wanted to get everything off his chest. You know, he was probably playing with, like, heavy shoulders, you know, with all this stuff on his head and being able to tell the world, you know, his side of the story and come out and, you know, have... You know, it was sort of world-breaking news as well. So I feel like being able to just get everything off might have just been a relief for him and now he can play his you know his proper game we, we'll find out when Portugal play you can just tell by you know how he's looking if he's looking sharp if he's looking up for it but no I, I mean for me I'd, I'd love to see him like stick around in the prem to be honest and you know even if it is Newcastle then Newcastle so be it I mean there was talk about, Chelsea. yeah Todd Bowley I know wanted him before you know there was you uh, say was asking to win the league there could be something there you know he could go in and potentially be a strong leader in that dressing room but Arteta going for him
0: no he and... doesn't want an Yang part two he doesn't want to play a bigger than the club so he wants to actually manage a group of players that would be suitable for Mikel Arteta and if he goes to Chelsea can you imagine that strike force of Aubameyang Havertz Sterling Ronaldo Lukaku on loan as well Salem you're looking at it thinking look at the wages in that team as well which is insane and oh, no. If Todd Bowley obviously gets Chelsea to get Cristiano Ronaldo, which he most likely could, obviously that was a big disagreement allegedly between Thomas Tuchel and Todd Bowley. That could easily be like a situation where you're thinking he could be moving to London, Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't want it to happen, but if it happens, it happens. And there's nothing we can do about it now. Um, because as a free no,
1: agent- I, I, I'll be honest. I'd, I'd love to see him stay in the Prem um, and play for somebody else in the Prem. I'd, I'd love to see that, especially for like a season or two. It'd be quite good. Mm. If not, then you know it's, it's probably going to be. I think Sporting Sporting's one that's mentioned quite often, obvious reasons. And then if not, I, I still don't think he's in that that period of his career where he can just where he should just go off to the Middle East, China, the States, that kind mm. of thing. I feel like he's still. Got at least two more seasons in Europe that he can drop you know like last season you look at his numbers for Man United in a bad team and you know what was it 18 Premier League goals was it
0: with two different managers as well in the Premier League it's yeah really and obviously
1: sort of and everyone knew how Man United were last year so you know you can't, can't fault him um, on that so you know I'd, I'd like to see him stay maybe somebody comes in for him um, you know it'd be, it'd be you know interesting Chelsea were to come in but you know like a Newcastle I mean, there's even talk of him just going off to PSG and uh, there's talk about Messi going back to Barcelona. So, you know, this whole transfer merry go-round is going to start kicking off soon.
0: Imagine but, if that happens, though. Imagine if you've got Ronaldo going to PSG in January and then Messi goes back to Barcelona in January as well. That would be insane. And you're kind of looking at it thinking, Messi in the Europa League trying to help Barcelona back into it after literally giving up his wages and all of these people kind of leaving as well, like Pique having to retirement season... Um, obviously Ronaldo giving up his contract things are crazy right now in football and it's really worrying to see but I I would really like to see Ronaldo in the Champions League we've always seen Ronaldo in the Champions League we kind of need to expect to see him kind of score more goals to get him to be the greatest Champions League scorer of all time before Haaland breaks it in 10 years time that's how I predict it Salem. now next topic who's got the best attack in the World Cup because I watched France yesterday and when you're looking at that attack, even without Benzema and without Nkunku, you've got Olivier Giroud, who's now the joint top scorer in France mm-hmm. national team history. You've got Kylian Mbappe, who for some reason, everyone on in the media was like, oh yeah, he's the best player in the world right now. I'm like, is he? Bel- uh, Ballon d'Or went to Benzema recently and Sadio Mane was second. Maybe it's because they're both injured and they're not out of the World Cup. That's uh,
1: bad for Mane, actually. You know how, how hard he, he did to get. To um, to get to the World Cup and now you know he's sort of injured.
0: Mm, I agree. Like literally of all the injuries that I saw, Mane was the one that I was most obsessed about the most. And you're looking at it thinking he's done so much to get Senegal to be the African uh, Cup of Nations champions. He did so well with his Liverpool side. He did so well with his Bayern Munich side. And now he fully can't get into this African. No, he got this African Senegalese team into the World Cup, but he couldn't play because of his injury, which is really sad. Um, to really see so I know we've seen some upsets with some of these big teams Germany Argentina respectively but from looking at it Salem as well who do you think's got the best attack in the World Cup the best attacking trio and we're yet to see Brazil we yet to see Portugal we yet to see Uruguay we're going to see the Belgium game in a bit as well at the time of recording so we have to kind of go through team by team and what I'll do to make it easier for you is I'll make it easier just by naming the teams and just we'll go through it a minute or two each of them England, let's go for England first. Quite easy, straightforward. Kane, Sterling, Saka. Out of, yeah, we'll, we'll do it in grades. So A to E. Yeah, A to E, A to F. How would you grade that attack, Sam? Because personally for me, looking at that, that attack, it's got a really good balance. It's got that balance of speed, finishing, creativity as well, flexibility. And Harry Kane is on such good form this season as well. I would give that rating for that attack a B. What would you
1: say, Salah? I'd, I'd give you an A, to be honest, because I kind of, I, I think how how could you improve that attack? You know, I like think... pressure marks on Sterling, but you know he's still a top class. You know, attacker in terms of like 100 goals he's got in the Prem as an mm. example. You know, he was one of our leading scorers in the Euros as well. So you know he's got he's got a bit of everything that 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 front three. And you know you look at Saka, you know how how far he's come. And if you think about the racial abuse and. Pressure he was under after that Euros. How he's bounced back. That level of resilience. You know he's, he's still a young lad and he's playing. If
0: anyone's at- racially abusing Saka and they're celebrating his goals against Iran, they should be shutting up right now because that was embarrassing from them to be caught being racist. All these teachers being racist. All these professionals being racist. Embarrassing. And now he scored for you. You're probably cheering for him on on Monday afternoon as well. So shouts up Bakaya Saka for coming back into it and being. One of the main men and one of the new star boys for English football. I'm loving it and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. Um, But yeah, you go for an A, I'd go for a B uh, for Bukayo Saka. Next one, we'll go for France. So France, you've got Antoine Griezmann, you've got Olivier Giroud, you've got Ousmane Dembele and you've got Kylian Mbappe. Actually, we'll make it three on three to make it easier. We'll take out Griezmann. So Giroud, Mbappe, Dembele, you go first for this one
1: see controversial but I give it a B I think if that's got Benzema it's an A yes. I just feel like has got a little bit more over Giroud even though Giroud's equal Henri's record what is it 51 goals and I feel like you know Giroud has won everything besides the Euros uh, you know club and internationally, he's won everything and I, I think sometimes he doesn't get all the credit that he deserves but you know he's I still I rate him really highly, but I just feel like Benzema's just got that little bit more about him, and that's and that's what makes it. But then you know you've got Mbappe and you've got Dembele, so it's it's a tough one. I I need to give it an A, but I'm I'm just going to give it a B purely just for the injury to Benzema.
0: I think with Mbappe as well, the fact that he's no longer the main striker, like we see him at PSG, is not the focal point. He's playing off the players at our focal points, Olivier Giroud and Antoine Griezmann. He's got that freedom on the wing to express himself, to take on a player, um, to create new opportunities. And that's what he did yesterday against Australia. And Usman Dembele on the other side as well. You're looking at it thinking like this guy, he can just do it with his eyes closed. He can do it with both feet. He's ambidextrous. And we're looking forward to seeing how these two actually go forward in the future. Dembele and Mbappe. And especially Kingsley Coman coming off the bench yesterday. It shows their strength and depth of what they have. (laughs) I would go for an A. I think obviously world champions, Mbappes won it, Giroud's won it as well. You're looking at it like Giroud, even though, like you said, he's fiercely underrated, 36 years old, 51 goals in the French national side as well. People forget he kind of became a big player when he moved to Arsenal around 24-25. So it wasn't like he was it wasn't like he was even a youngster. He literally came into it mid or well, just after the, the youth of his career, and he turned up properly for France as well. So I'd go for A with with France's attack. Now I'm going to throw you a curveball with Netherlands. So you're looking at someone like Memphis Depay, Steven Bergwijn, uh, Vincent Janssen as well, Cody Gapko. They've got. Yeah. Well, we'll take out Janssen, put Cody Gapko in there as well. Personally, for me, I'm going for a C on this one as well. I think they're very good attackers. Memphis Depay is probably one of the better ones that I've seen. But in this Louis Van Gaal system. I wasn't really convinced of them against Senegal in that 2-0 win. I know they got two goals in the last couple of minutes. Cody Gakpo scored a fantastic header. He rose so well in that, which is great. And I'm really happy, obviously, with my Netherlands jumper right here as well. But I'm happy to give them a C in in this team as well, in this little thing. I think there's going to be a lot of people saying Netherlands can get better. I think their strength is in their midfield and in their defence,
1: personally. What about you, Salah? Yeah, I mean... Uh, like the thing is now, uh, looking back at France, I feel like they're more of an A. But coming mm. on to Holland, like you said, I, I, I've, I've been quite impressed with Gakpo. I've not watched much of him to be honest, but I'm quite impressed. You've got a Depay, another player that quality player, but he's been sort of pushed aside. You know, he was pushed aside by Barca quite a bit, especially with like Lewandowski and these guys coming in. But Man yeah, United we... may look to buy him as well. They
0: may yeah, get him mean, from Barcelona think... if they want to bring Messi, and they may have to get rid of some players.
1: Yeah, I think we to will too. But but the thing is, for me, in terms of, like, you look at some of the former attackers they've had. You know, people like Robin. They've had, they've had, you know, Vanister, Roy. You know, like even going further back, you know, people Berg like Camp, Van Percy, Johan Cruyff, uh, Van Basten. You look sorry. at the level. You look at that that sort of level of play. I know you kind of think. You know, I mean, when you look at those kind of players like Schneider as well, and you look at what they've what they've got now, you know, it's such a gulf like such a big difference. And and for yeah. that reason, it's because. I know they can improve and these players can, you know, maybe potentially reach higher levels. But at the moment, for me, it's, they've, they've had better teams. And, you know, if, you, if you're looking at people like, I know they started like Jansen the other day. If you compare that, he's not even better than like Callum Wilson, who's like, you know, a third choice striker as an yeah. example.
0: Yeah, it's worrying to see how Howe is so optimistic about his team saying, oh, this team in 2014 was good to get to third place, but this team that we got in 2022 is even better, so we're going to win it. I'm like, I, I know you're optimistic, Louis, but I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think Netherlands are going to do it. I did say they'd be a dark horse, but from what I saw the other day, Senegal gave them proper problems, and if they had a proper finisher on the pitch as well, they would have. The, the game would have been so much different. So I'm looking forward to how they do against Ecuador and against Qatar, but round of 16 is when the Netherlands will get tested. Argentina. Lionel Messi Lautaro Martinez and Angel Di Maria I would if they won against Saudi Arabia I would have given them an A but they just can't stay on side Salim it's really worrying you're looking at that three offside goals obviously they're that VAR incident as well Lionel Messi scoring a penalty but even in the second half when they were 1-1 or 2-1 they weren't really threatening there's a couple of crosses that went wayward Messi had a header saved by the keeper fantastically saved from the keeper as well um I'm really looking forward to seeing what your thoughts are on this one. I'm going to go with, and this is just me. I'm going for a B. Honestly, I think they, I think on paper it's an A, but looking at it from what we saw against Saudi Arabia, it's a B.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree. For for me, it's a B as well. Um, I think there was a VAR incident. Obviously, one of the goals that should have counted, but it didn't count. You know, controversial. Mm. As a Messi and Lautaro, you know, quality players. I don't know about Di Maria though. In that, in a front three. You know, I'd much rather like a DiBALO or somebody like that, and that could potentially push it up to the A. I know he's not fit at the moment, mm. but yeah, you know, again, um, it's you know it's a long tournament. Well, it's not a long tournament in that sense, but there's still a long way to go in the tournament. You know, it's only the first game. A lot of people are saying you know it's finished for Argentina, but Spain lost their first game and they still went on to win the World Cup. So you can't just say, oh, it's finished for them. And, you know, like Spain, had, like this year, Spain won 7-0, so they're definitely going to death, gonna win it or something like that. But it just shows that anything can happen in football. You know, a team like Saudi Arabia, I don't even know where they ranked. Was it like 90th or something or 50th? I can't remember how far down it was. But no, it's still the first game. Um, I feel like Argentina, you know, they, they will have to, you know, improve. Like Them themselves, and Barcelona were looked at, not Barcelona, sorry. Argentina and Brazil were looked at as favourites for this tournament. So, you know, they need to, you know, they need to live up to this. And they've got the squad there. I'd say they've got a really good squad. I'm surprised Otamendi played. I would have probably have started Lisandro instead next to Romero. That's a switch back in Lisandro
0: Martinez. I think you, after watching him first hand, you're probably convinced by him now. But Otamendi has been a mainstay in that defence for quite a while. It's more rotation of Romero and Lisandro than Otamendi. But I think the, the, the coach Scaloni just got it wrong in that game. He shouldn't have started both of them. He should have started Lissandra because they had no fight in that Argentina side. You're looking at them. They're getting outfought by Saudi Arabia. Argentina sides have always historically outfought an opposition, even if they have lost, which is crazy to really see. Um, but yeah, i would go for, like I said, I went for a B because on A, they would be really good on paper, but B, I would say, for what we've really seen. Now let's go for Brazil. Brazil is going to be a tricky one because you're looking at it and it looks like Gabriel Jesus, Neymar, and probably Antony as a front three. Or, they, or what a lot of people have been saying it's going to be Vinicius Neymar and uh, Gabriel Jesus as well. There's so many options with that one and we're yet to see them play. We're yet to see how it starts off as well. I would go for, and this is just me, I'd go for an A. I'm looking at that attack and I'm thinking that's frightening. I'm looking at how Neymar's done at World Cups previously and he always turns up on the big stage like we have seen him do um, for Brazil. You're looking yeah, at Gabriel Jesus, and you're looking at how well he's done for Arsenal this season as well. And if it is Anthony, if it is Richarlison or Vinicius Junior, Champions League final winner as well, there's quality in that attack, and there's fearsome attackers. Jogo Benito all round, I would say, Salah.
1: Yeah, I'd say Brazil's another team. You know, they've got quality in every position. Mm. I'd give them A as well. You know, you have seen Neymar. You know, carry Brazil in tournaments. And was it for 2014? And then when he got injured, you know, it sort of fell apart for them. You know, he had the whole nation on his shoulders. And, you know, they've got a good striker in Gabriel Jesus, somebody that's come, you know, a long way, I'd say, from, you know, from his like his first World Cup. And, you know, you can see the transformation he's had at Arsenal, being the main man. There was a conversation I remember hearing about the Brazil manager asking him, like, you know, are you a striker or are you, are you a winger, basically? And he, he responded saying, you know, I'll, I'll play wherever you want. But now, you know, he's cemented himself as a centre-forward and, he should carry on in that way. You know, I, I see him personally as a centre-forward, not not really as a winger. And I feel like that's that's where he does his best work. You know, he's not even just all about the goals. Even when the, he's not scoring goals, he's still, you know, offering a lot to the team. And and I think that's something that has really helped Arsenal being somebody that's, you know, been there and won it. And he's such, he's got that professionalism, especially like in the dressing room as well. I mm. think there was talk about Man City insiders not happy with the sale of you know jesus and zinchenko to a premier league rival which could you know in the long run even cost city a title yeah
0: you're looking at how awesome arsenal top of the Premier league in the international break that we're at now as well gabriel jesus is a big part of it because of his professionalism because of his work rate you're seeing it on the pitch every single game i'm looking forward to seeing uh brazil on friday night see how they play see who if he does start if it's him if it's richarlison it's going to be long to see, um, who, yeah. a couple of days to see who actually starts. But like you said about Neymar, this is Neymar's tournament to shine, Salem. I think we've spoken about this off off camera as well. It's really looking forward to seeing how Neymar does and probably, like you said as well, his, maybe his last ever World Cup. He's got an Olympic gold medal for Brazil. He's got glory at Brazil. But obviously, Brazil, they've been lacking a World Cup for 20 years now, 2002, the last time um, they've actually won a World Cup. My first World Cup, if I can remember literally the final 2002 Germany-Brazil. I'm looking forward to seeing how Neymar does. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can carry on his PSG form. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in this group stage because this group stage that they've got should easily be three wins out of three. I'm looking at it and you're looking at the teams that they've got. Realistically speaking, they should win. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Neymar does in this attack. And especially if Anthony does well. From a Man United point of view, I'm always looking out to see how he does. Um, Probably the last team I'll probably ask you about this is a bit of a curveball one, but you know their attack is always going to be mentioned. Belgium, talking about tonight as well, Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne, um, you're talking about Eden Hazard, Leandro Trossard. What are we thinking, Salem?
1: Yeah, the thing is, I'll give them a B. Um, mm. You know, on if they were all, like, you know, at their best, easy A, you know, potentially even the best attack, but, you know, Lukaku and Hazard, I'm not not sure, you know, like, there's this is talk about, you know, the Belgian, the Belgian, like, golden generation thing, you know, being over. Like, if you look at the ages now, Hazard, De Bruyne, Lukaku, they're all getting on. You know, they had such a squad, especially when they had, like, Vincent Company, Alderweireld and Vertonghen as well at the back. You know, with a great keeper in Courtois, but the players have aged and I'm, I'm not sure, like, maybe maybe the last World Cup was the one... For that Belgian golden generation to win it, I'm not saying that Hazard's a finished player, Lukaku's a finished player, because a lot of these players sometimes they don't really perform domestically for whatever reason. Like Eden Hazard, I don't even think he's played in like in El Clasico, even mm-hmm. though he's been there five six years now. But um, you never know in these tournaments; they, they just turn up these sort of big players, you know, for for their country. So it'd be interesting. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if Hazard and Lukaku both just get you know a real kickstart. They do really well, and that really Helps them throughout the remainder of the domestic season after that as well.
0: I agree. You're looking at Lukaku. who's not in the team today. Batshuayi is starting. I think Lukaku's still injured. De Bruyne and Hazard behind him as well. De Bruyne has been one of the best attacking players in world football over the last two, three years, in my opinion. He's been outstanding to watch week in, week out for Manchester City. If anyone's going to be the catalyst, I don't think it's going to be Hazard or Lukaku. I think it's going to be Kevin De Bruyne because he's in that free role behind the striker and next to another floating winger as well in that little pivot up front as well with their 3-4-3 formation that Belgium have as well, Salim. This is all down to Kevin De Bruyne in my opinion. I think Kevin De Bruyne has to drag this Belgian team forward to glory again because in the 2018 World Cup, World Cup semi-final is definitely a team effort. You saw Witzel playing well, Fellaini scoring goals, their defence, Older old, uh Vertonghen, they were in really good form, probably their peak in my opinion um, as well, because the season that afterwards, it got to the Champions League final with Spurs, so that's probably the best versions I've ever seen of Vertonghen and of Older old as well. Eden Hazard, if there's ever a time to come good, it's by starting in the World Cup and actually doing well against Canada, which they're playing tonight, literally later on from this podcast as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how it does, but Like I said, Kevin De Bruyne is Belgium's main man. He has to show up in this World Cup. He has to drag this team forward. And in my opinion, after uh, Croatia just drew earlier today against Morocco, they have to top the group and they have to kind of take um, this World Cup by storm. That's how I think about Kevin De Bruyne. If he does it week in, week out for City, he has to carry over that form um, on the biggest stage of all because that's where big players get judged the most. And that's why a lot of people remember Neymar fondly because of what he did in 2014 and in 2018 as well. Um, but yeah, those are the kind of main attacks I wanted to talk about. Are there any other attackers that you're kind of looking forward to watching, Salem? So it may not have to be from any of these teams. It could be Darwin Nunes, for example, some from a, another team. Anyone that kind of catches your eye or has caught your eye
1: so far? I mean, you know, the, the Portuguese attack is one, you know, with players like Ronaldo, Felix, Silva. Um, and, you know, i have got a few of us. Rafael T- Leal. Rafael Leal as well but yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think you know it's, it's just like saying like anyone could like any of Valencia you know what I mean how he came out of the blue that day and scored a couple of good headers
0: I mean he yeah. kind of just omitted Spain after they won 7-0
1: against Costa Rica yeah. as well so no. they had a fantastic attack or as someone that was okay for Man City and you know he decided to move to Barca and this could be a tournament where you could you know really prove that he's that elite player, which Man City thought he was and why they, you know, signed him in the first place. Hmm. But yeah, you know, there's obviously Lewandowski still there. He only had nine touches in the box in the last World Cup. So I think he's already improved on that, albeit missing a penalty.
0: 12 in um, the game and missing a penalty. Crazy.
1: Yeah, so, he, you know, you've got Lozano. He's another
0: one. He was good yesterday. and oh. quite, quite enjoyed watching him. To me personally, time, when I'm looking at this attack and I'm looking in some of these teams... Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how when he gets fit, Leroy Sane, I think I said it last week on the podcast, he's someone who I really think should be turning up for Germany in these tournaments. We always expect Thomas Müller to do well because he's done it and has won it um, for Germany, but he clearly didn't do well enough today against um, Japan. But I think it's a really exciting time to be a football fan. When you're looking at all of these new attacking young players coming through, looking at the key influences as well in some of these attackers, the Hazards, the Neymars, the Mbappes, all influencing the new generation of how people play and it's a faster more attractive way of playing football for a lot of these attackers for these wingers a lot of them are a lot more versatile as well so when you're looking at a player i.e leandro trossard for example salem you know you can play as a left winger or as a right winger as well he can do it across both different wings which is refreshing to really see and to appreciate as well but as i'm looking at it as well You're looking at some of these attackers. I still want to see Phil Foden start a game for England. I want to see him as as an attacking midfielder, not as a winger, because just kind of like with Gabriel Jesus, when he's in that Pep roulette system, when he's actually working for Pep Guardiola, he'll play wherever he wants for Pep Guardiola. But when he's in his own element, he's as a striker, same as Phil Foden. For me, he has to play as an attacking midfielder as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes I think there's going to be loads more players that we can watch over the next couple of weeks and we'll be really appreciating them as well which will be really nice and lots to look yeah. forward to in the Sport Cup
1: There was two other things I was going to mention actually the one thing being that the um, the, the added time situation I don't know if you've noticed but
0: It's been amazing
1: the, Yeah, I, to be honest I'm not against it because like you know, you get added time like five minutes and you end up only playing two minutes because of the ball being out of play and substitution so it's it has been good in a sense that they have, you know, played out. I think, I think we're actually we're quite bad for it. When we played Brighton last game before, yeah. you know, the stop, um, there was about seven minutes at a time. I think, and I think the ball was only in play for like two and a half minutes of that because of Emmy and these guys with their time yeah. waste. You know, you, you you obviously love it when your team do it, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not it's not right. Especially when you're chasing a game, you hate it. It's one of the things that you hate the most. So that's that's just one thing that I I did want to mention actually. This is one
0: thing that I think football can learn from rugby because recently when I went to watch a rugby game and I've I've been watching rugby all my life, which is great as much as I've been watching football. When there's stoppages in play in rugby, they actually stop the clock. They stop the timer. So if there's an injury on the pitch, if there's um, a referee call, if there's a VAR, like a TMS call is what they call it, the review system that they have in rugby, they stop the clock. So instead of it being 11 minutes added on, where it looks a bit silly, they just stop the clock. And then if it stays at six minutes, it stays at six minutes. So basically when it gets to 45 minutes and the ball's next out of play, that's full time done. As opposed to 93 minutes being added on when there's actually 12 minutes that should have been added on. And I really appreciate what um, Colleen has done. The head of the FIFA referees has done. He's made it a very big thing for him to actually uh, come across for all the referees, which is great to see. And another thing for me as well, and I'm pretty sure you probably picked up on this as well, Um, when you're looking at literally the referees and how they're kind of going about it there's a lot more consistency in the the calls except probably the Harry Maguire one when he was getting held compared to the Argentina one as well do you think they're having more I I think it's just refreshing because we're used to seeing Premier League referees and they're awful in it Salah they're a bit bad compared to like these FIFA referees and you're seeing some of them that are working really well to get some of these fouls done but they're also letting the game kind of carry on I would say
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's for for me that the main thing was the added time thing. I was a bit disappointed with the Maguire one because I felt like that was a penalty on Maguire, and the the Iran one was softer than that. And you know, there wasn't even a a VAR check. I think on the Maguire one, so that's it's a bit controversial, like the offside decision as well. Like that's the last thing I want to see is stuff going wrong. You know, I mean, especially when we've got imagine you've got VAR and you're still getting it wrong, then you know, there's something really bad happening if that's the case. You can understand, you know, if a referee misses an offside because it's such fine margins, you know, if it's out by like a millimetre or something. I'm saying without VAR. But with Mm. VAR, there's no excuse whatsoever to miss anything, to be honest.
0: Yeah, there's so much more that you can actually pick up with VAR now. You're looking at it, you've got the screens on the side as well, you've got video assistants speaking into the referee's ear and you're kind of understanding why a lot more of these things are being picked up because they're trying to eradicate it straight and if they can eradicate it at the World Cup, hopefully they can eradicate it in the in the leagues afterwards as well because it shows the standard of refereeing there's a big golf in class really, which is something refreshing to really see as well. If we can have one more thing as well, a couple more things from you just to wrap it up. Your top scorer for the World Cup and who do you think can going to get the most assists? Because obviously winners will be a long time. It could even be Saudi Arabia, but who do you think is going to be top scorer of the World Cup and who do you think is going to get the most assists? Um... Top and, golden, and golden glove as well. We'll throw a golden glove in
1: there. Best keeper. Ooh. So, initially, my golden glove was Emmy Martinez. Oh, my God. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. Um, even though it's conceded, I'll stick with it. Mm. Uh, top goal scorer was probably going to be Mbappe. And assist... It was assist, wasn't it? Yeah. Top assist... Saka. Ooh, that's a good shot.
0: Good choice there as well. Uh, top assist, I'm going to go for Kevin De Bruyne. I think he's going to turn up in this World Cup. I think he's going to have a fantastic tournament and I think he's going to do really well for Belgium until they get knocked out in probably the quarterfinals, I would say. Uh, yeah. Best keeper or golden glove keeper, I would say. I would expect and this is just me, I would expect Unai Simon to keep clean sheets with the Spanish side as well. They really dominate play and from what we've seen again against Costa Rica. I really expect them to have a really good tournament in Spain. They were my dark horses. Them and Netherlands were my dark horses, if you want to say that, for winning the World Cup, not for getting far for actually winning the World Cup. So Luis Enrique, I think, is a fantastic coach and has got so much potential to grow this young Spanish side forward as well. He got a bit of criticism for leaving out Tiago and um, Sergio Ramos, but when you're looking at it, it's kind of made the best decision so far as well, which would be great. My top scorer will be, I don't know. It's quite, yeah, I don't know so far. I did say Lautaro Martinez. I did say I would back Lautaro Martinez, but I think because we're yet to see Brazil, Uruguay, Portugal um, as well. Mm. Hard to really see. But you know what? I think I think it is. It's time. I think it's going to be Mbappe's time to shine in the World Cup. I think it's going to have this time to shine for France. It's going to be the main man. There's no Benzema. There's no Pogba in there as well. So it's not going to have the black magic surrounding him anymore at this World Cup, which will be refreshing to see. I don't think he ever had black magic. He was only against that Man United game for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Mbappe does at this tournament. Hopefully he can get another World Cup for himself as well. But obviously I want England to win. So I really want to see someone like Harry Kane come back fit, score, turn up in the big games. Because the one thing that Harry Kane has had criticism for in the past is not turning up in the biggest of games. He can turn up in the usual games, do his bread and butter games. But... If you're looking at the Euros final, didn't turn up. If you're talking about the World Cup semi-final, didn't turn up. I hope this is a tournament to prove me wrong and to prove everyone wrong. Champions League final, again, didn't turn up in that one. League Cup final, didn't turn up in that one. Literally, mm-hmm. I can go on with Harry Kane. This is Harry Kane's chance to shine, in my opinion. I really believe he's going to be the guy to actually turn up and actually go, you know what, this is my tournament. I'm going to take it by the scruff of the neck. I'm the captain of England. I can. Be- he can actually become... Hey, yeah. hey Harry Kane can actually become the world the, the tongue side there. Harry Kane can actually become England's all-time greatest goal scorer at this World Cup. And I'm not talking about stat bad by penalties and everything like that. He can score by doing proper goals and playing proper football because the system he played against Iran, which broke down their 5-2-3 formation, 5-3-2 formation, was fantastic. And it meant that he had to sacrifice himself a bit to move out of position to let others into play, which was great. But he could still get onto goals, he could still lash onto crosses. I'm looking forward to seeing how Harry Kane does. But I think for me, I'll back Harry Kane above Kylian Mbappe because I think Kylian Mbappe, because you chose him, I need to go for someone else. I think Harry Kane will be my top goal scorer um, for the World Cup, which is good.
1: I was just going to say, actually, you know, with Kane, it was such a selfless performance. And um, you can't I even agree. say that for not scoring, the amount he brought to that team. But another thing I was going to mention, you know, we wait four years for a World Cup. Or is it four and a half in this case? Mm. Uh, for the World Cup to come around and you know now it's here and it's it's just nice to just enjoy it finally but you know enjoy the
0: vibes of it being in winter as well doesn't matter what people are saying
1: just enjoy it for what it is I know that's the thing as much as I'm I'm not happy with it being in winter you know we waited four years for it and now you know how much life's going to change in the next four years till the next World Cup but that's just part and parcel of it
0: That's how it is, man, which is a good way to end the podcast. But yeah, everyone, thank you very much for backing us for 100 episodes. We genuinely appreciate everything that you've given us, your time, your efforts, your feedback, your social media presence as well. It's been really big as well for you sharing us. Um, The award nominations that we got, we're really pleased and really privileged to have that. The connections we made as well we're honestly just so happy to get this done over 100 episodes and for it to be the first world cup episode of this of the year 100 episodes i think we t- timed that quite well Salad. we did really well to get that sorted and obviously i had to be with you i tried to get the other guys on as a surprise for you Salim. um mm. arif raheel safian but didn't happen but shout out to them if, if you're if you're listening this far i appreciate everything you've done for us as well which is great and hopefully you can move forward and hopefully at the next world cup we'll be there in person actually working professionally that's the aim. That'd be a very good aim, I would say, Salim. In it, I set the next World Cup <laughs> in the USA. Even though they're professional, just there as fans, I think we could do it. We'll start. Oh, no, making...
1: I really want to go uh, to the next World Cup as a fan, especially that—that's you know one of my goals I've got. Even to the next Euros, Euros
0: 2024, Germany. Start saving up, Salim. It's going to happen. We're going to be there. <laughs> Inshallah, it will happen. But no, everyone, thank you very much for listening. We've been Friday Night Counter-Attack always from episode one all the way to episode 100. But well, technically, we were Friday, Friday Night T- Trequatistas for a bit. Then Friday Night Counter-Attack came along. Um looking forward to seeing what we can do next and looking forward to the next week of the World Cup. See you for more watch-alongs and live streams and we'll see you later. Take care and goodbye.